Are we doing all right? That was a great session this morning from Sarah, I thought as well, with the bucket list. I don't know if you've started writing it, but I think it's such a, a great thing to maybe develop in your life, to keep adding things to your bucket list. It could be 50, 60, 70 items. It doesn't just have to be one. I think God wants us to maybe stir up this just dreamer mentality that we can dream about all sorts of things. Um, I don't know. Having, well, <laughs> sorry, I can't say it. <laughs> uh, it's just me and instant coffee. It's just a very interesting relationship. <laughs> I always feel sick after drinking it. So I, I was just uh, thinking of putting that on my bucket list to erase <laughs> instant coffee from the planet. But maybe that's not a good thing to put on. Um, it's just amazing. When, I was, when we were worshiping, I just had this sense, you know, how old is this church? 50? No, more. 60 years. I was just thinking, imagine training a muscle for 60 years. I think it would look pretty in shape. I don't know about you, but if you train a muscle for 60 years, my goodness, there's some power in that muscle to pull some weight. And I just sense like there's such a spiritual power in this church over all those years of just moving forward and pressing in and pursuing God and in good times and bad times when, the, when it was stormy, when it was, when it was great and, and I think that's such a powerful testimony of this church just your spiritual power and strength and I just wanted to really encourage you if you've been to this church more than 20 years I would say from the bottom of my heart Please become a spiritual father and a spiritual so much to our generation. Because I think one of the things that we are lacking so much in Cologne is spiritual fathers and mothers. People don't know how to pray anymore. They don't read the Bible. They don't know any scripture. They don't know any song. And the richness in this church and the power and the strength of the master that you've been training for so many years is so needed to keep the church alive in the next phase of our generation. And so, I don't know how that will look like for you, but maybe you can start looking for God to show you people, um, and you just meet, and just five, six, seven, maybe gather ten around you, and just meet once a week at McDonald's, or no, they don't have good coffee, maybe at Starbucks, or <laughs> at another place where there's good coffee, because life is too short for bad coffee, amen. Okay, we changed, we don't talk about coffee. Life is too bad, uh, too short for bad tea, maybe, that's better. But I think the, the investment you make into those people, maybe in their, in their late 20s, 30s, it is so, so, so important because we have them. We, our church m mainly exists from people within that age bracket. And we see such a lack in those foundational things of prayer and spiritual disciplines. And I think if you've been training that muscle for so long... Please pray about it because the next generation need that insight, that input and, and maybe ask God for ways to maybe um, impart that into the next generation. Because we are, your roof will become our floor. I don't know if you realize that. But you're building in your life up to a certain height and the next generation will use that as a foundation to continue building. And this has been happening since 2000 years. The generation for us have built to a certain height and the next generation is putting the, the building blocks on top of it. 
And I think it's so, so, so important, especially when we talk about dreams and releasing dreams maybe for what is to come. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think, how, how's, how's church going to be in 10 years or in 20 years? I, I don't really know. I, I read the other day that we are the technical most advanced generation that has ever lived on the planet. And it's crazy to think. We have some guys in our church that work in like the area of uh, 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 um, this intelligence, the artificial intelligence. It is crazy what is about to happen in our nations. I tell you now. What will happen with artificial intelligence is just going to be mind-blowing. The stuff that they're developing right now. And it will be a challenge, I think. You know, how, how do we translate that into church life? How do we use that to disciple and reach people um, that can maybe find much better and more intimate connections online? I don't know. I, read, I'm, I have a friend in Japan. More people have virtual friends and girlfriends and boyfriends in Japan than real ones. Because they've really perfectionized, like, how to interact with them and, and they speak to them and they don't argue <laughs> and it's easier. <laughs> they think. Uh, and, and they have these virtual girlfriends and boyfriends and they show each other and I think, that's just odd. You know, why, why would you do that? We're not, we're not born and built for, for, for fake relationships. But this is, this is what's happening right now and it's growing and growing and expanding and, and the church needs to have an answer for that, I think. Um, so that's our responsibility and I think if you can impart some of that strength and muscle into the next generation, we will be able to hold our ground when the fight is, is going on and when all hell is breaking loose in our lives and when things are happening in our lives where we think, my goodness, I was not prepared for a situation like that. And so it's just, it's just a, a hard plea to, to invest in the next generation and, and to gather them around you. Don't make it too complicated. Just gather them and invite them for tea and just share about life. How you read your Bible. I learned so much being in this church about that. You know, I remember having lunch at Larry and Mavis, you know, two of many, many legends of this church, and just asking them about their devotional life. And I had like 10 questions prepared because I wanted to know, how do you stay together for so long? And, and they just were sharing about how they daily read the Bible together. And I'm like, wow, what a discipline. What a, what a thing to have in your life. And just, just, just stuff like that. Anyway, we're going to talk about dreams. Um, I think um, we should be dreamers. Um, and we talked about it in the first session, in the second session. And I just want to talk in this session about the reality of a dream. The reality of a dream. Because sometimes a dream can look amazing, but the way towards that dream can be really challenging. And things will happen in your life that you haven't prepared for. So the question is, how do we react to the things in life that we haven't prepared for? And I can imagine that there will be things... And I can almost promise you there will be things in your life that you haven't prepared for, that you haven't thought about, that you maybe haven't planned for. And, and how, do we, how do we react to that? Um, I called this, this message the reality of a dream or the test of a dream. And I remember when I was 19 years old, I got saved when I was 19, and I went to a little Baptist church. I've never been to another church in my entire life. I was born and raised until the age of 12. And then I left church and went off to do other stuff. And I came back to the Lord when I was 19. And I remember sitting in that church. And it was a normal Sunday. And I was just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I had this sense that God is speaking to me. And I saw an, an, a building full of people. But there was no one at the front. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Dom, you have to go up. And I'm like, what, me? No, I'm not going up. And it was the first 
time in my entire life that I ever thought of becoming a pastor. It was the first moment in my life when I thought maybe God is calling me to do this more than just part-time. And it was the start of a dream. <laughs> But it took at least seven or eight more years until I saw that dream come to pass, um, to actually being a pastor. And so that time in between, that's what I want to talk about. Is that all right? Okay, I'm going to pray because I forgot to pray uh, when I first started. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us tonight. Uh, we just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and take over. I pray that we are not in your way, but that we, that we make room for you to move among us tonight. Father, we want to open our hearts and our ears to receive something fresh from you. I thank you, God, that you are a good father with good ideas and good dreams and good plans for our lives. And I pray that you would release something fresh into our hearts tonight. Thank you, God, that you are not um, predictable or that you can always surprise us with something new. And I pray that something new would drop out of heaven right into our lap tonight as we just sit under your word, as we open our hearts and our minds to just receive something that is not from this world, but it's supernatural. Father, we invite you to be here with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about Joseph again. Joseph, a great guy in the Bible. It's worth reading his story. Uh, he's just such an inspirational character. Um, And Joseph had to pass a few tests in his life to see his dream that God gave him when he was just 17 fulfilled. It was many, many years later that he saw the dream fulfilled when he was in the, in the palace of the Pharaoh and his brothers came because there was a huge famine and they bowed down. And it was many years that passed. And I want to talk about those years in between because sometimes we can lose heart when it comes to the dreams that maybe God has put inside of us. Because of the stuff that happens in between. And the first test that I've wrote, written down that we have to endure if we want to see our dream fulfilled in our lives, and it's true for everyone, is the test of rejection. The test of rejection. I think that many people give up way too soon because they feel rejected. They feel rejected by circumstances. They feel rejected by other people. And Joseph, I think, had a lot to tell about that. Because people rejected him many, many times on his journey. And I think sometimes we, and I said it this morning, we underestimate the price to see a dream fulfilled um, in people's life. I read the biography of John Wesley last year. Unbelievable. He rode 100,000 miles on a horseback to preach the gospel. 100,000 miles. I mean, it must hurt a lot, doesn't it? I don't know how many hours and days that is. Can you imagine 100,000 hours on a horseback? There was one of the prices that he paid to spread the gospel. But I don't know how many churches were born and started through his ministry. You know, John Wesley, what a name. And, and many other people that you can see. And they had faced many, many hardships, I think. And Joseph faced a lot of rejection. Joseph was the firstborn, uh, not the, sorry, not the first one, but the favorite son of Jacob. Um, he was the favorite son, the 11th son. Um, And there's something to be said about firstborns and then all the children that come afterwards. Oh, do we have any firstborns here? Firstborns? Firstborns? See? I told you. They look tired, exhausted, <laughs> shattered from life because they were the project of their parents. This kid is going to become a president. He's going to be the next prime minister. And then the second, any second and third children in the house? Yeah, see? Relaxed, no worries, just enjoying life, you know, because like, I don't know, 
Isn't that true? Like the first child is like the project. I mean, we have two sons, and Maxime, we, we tried so hard, and the second one is like, wow, it's not really that important, is it? Whether, you know, we clean the, uh, the what is it called that they, dummy? Like with Maxime, we always like put it in the microwave with like water to kind of clean the, the, the dummy because we thought when it falls to the floor, it's like it's contaminated and he's going to die. Now we go like, oh, yeah, back here. <laughs> It's fine. I mean, Levy, you know, he, he looks a bit strange sometimes, but he, he has this weird movement. No, he doesn't. But, but he's fine, you know. And, and I think sometimes, you know, that's, that's the problem with uh, first and second points. But. So Joseph was the favorite son, and his brothers hated him for that. Um, they didn't like it. And he wasn't really, really smart at some point, I thought. When I read this story again, I thought, you know, he wasn't really a clever guy. Because in, in one of the verses, he talked about that he um, brought a bad report to them, um, to their father. So he was like, talk, oh, daddy, did you see what they did? You know, and, and, and it's not nice to do that, is it? Like, I don't like people who do that behind my back. So and in school, you would beat them up if, they, if you figure out that they told the teacher what you did. Well, anyway, we did that anyway, sorry about uh, First point for tonight. The biggest mistake you can maybe make this year is by sharing the right dream to the wrong people. And I think there's something to be said about that. You know, that you can share a right dream to the wrong people. He shared his dream that he's been given by God to people that actually hated him, even more by hearing it. Um, and so sometimes I think it's wise to think about, okay, who am I sharing this dream with? You know, in your life, in your family, in your le leadership, um, because I think that sometimes people will reject us because they're jealous of what God is called or God is putting into our lives. And I think jealousy and envy is a terrible thing to have in our hearts. And it's a bit like a root that grows and it becomes bigger and bigger. And the more dreams Joseph told, the more hatred the brothers developed for Joseph. And you can read it in the text how there must be like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. I hate him so much. It was his brother, you know, but... I think there's something to be said that you should really think about who you share your dreams with. Um, and so our reaction to that becomes really important. I think reaction can hit us, but it shouldn't kill us. You know, I think reaction will come our way, but it shouldn't define or determine our way. Yeah. I, read a, I read a story of a father who was an alcoholic and a very abusive parent, and he had two sons. Um, and one of the sons ended up being an alcoholic themselves, being in prison many years. But the other son ended up graduating from college and starting his own business and helping many, many people. And the reporter interviewed the two sons and said, we, we just really want to ask you one question. Like, um, I have to find it here. How did you end up the way you did? And the interesting thing is, both of them gave exactly the same answer. Both of them said, looking at my father... How couldn't I end up like that? And I think that's so interesting. Yeah. Two brothers, the same father, the same experiences, and two totally different outcomes. Yeah. And they're both said, looking at my dad, how couldn't I end up like that? One of them said, I will never be like that in my life. And he started to, you know, probably make decisions in his life that led to a different direction. And the other guy said, well, what can I do? You know, that's what I learned, so I'm going to use it, you know, and I'm just going to be the same. And I think, and it's just an encouragement that we can't always determine what happens to us, but we can always determine how we react to it. 
And so I think when it comes to living out our dreams, and whether it's a small dream or a big dream, whether it's, you know, something minor or something huge, I think it's so important to think about how we react when maybe rejection or negativity comes our way. And um, I think that's, that's an encouragement. Um, because, because just because people think you're not qualified or not experienced enough or not smart enough or you're not old enough or whatever, doesn't mean it's true. And so you don't need the confirmation of people. You need the confirmation of Jesus. The day we left Derby, I had a, a prophetic word from Nigel Brookhouse. And he came to me and he said, Dom, before you leave and you know, you're going to move over to Germany, I have one word for you. And I, I tell you what, it's been at least a hundred times in the last three years that I quoted that prophecy back into my life. And he said, don't walk in the shadow of man, walk in the shadow of the king. And I love that. And, and, it, and it's been so many times where I just had to remind myself, okay, I'm walking in the shadow of the king. Jesus is going ahead and we are just following him. Sometimes we live the other way around, that Jesus should follow us and we make decisions and say, oh, please bless this God and bless that. And, but it's the other way around. And so many, countless amount of times I've prayed that prayer, Jesus, I want to walk in your shadows because I don't want to walk in the shadows of man, but in the shadow of the king. And so we can't really determine what happens, but we can decide how to react to it. And maybe some people will doubt you, they critique you, they will hurt you. But don't you dare give up on your dream that God has put inside of you. Um, because rejection is part of it, but it won't determine what God has inside of you. Because even though Joseph faced a lot of rejection, he was holding on to the dream that God was given him. And at the end he saw it fulfilled. I want to read you something from... The Wall Street Journal is called The Secret of Resilience. It was an article I was reading uh, two months ago, and it's fascinating. In 1962, the psychologist Victor Goetzel and his wife Mildred, I don't know where they're from, published a book called Cradles of Eminence, a provocative study of the childhood of over 400 famous 20th, 20th century men and women. So if you ever want to have a light read, why don't you get this book? Cradles of Eminence. And it says in this article, they selected individuals who had at least two biographies written about them and who had made a positive contribution to society. So basically, they looked at 400 famous people that had lived on this planet, that at least two biographies had to be written about those famous people, and then they analyzed it um, about their childhoods. Um, And it says, the subjects range from Louis Armstrong, Frida Kahlo, Marie Curie, Roosevelt, Henry Ford, and John D. Rockefeller. The Goetzels found that less than 15% of their famous men and women had been raised in supportive, untroubled homes, with another 10% in a mixed setting. Of the 400 famous 20th century men and women, a full 75%, some 300 individuals, had grown up in a family burdened by a severe problem. Poverty, abuse, absent parents, alcoholism, severe illness, or some other misfortune. The normal man, the Gretzels wrote, is not, likely, is not a likely candidate for the Hall of Fame. And I thought, what an incredible study of 400 men who made, and women who made a huge difference in our nations in so many different areas. And 75% of them were born in families where it didn't look great for them to start with. They, didn't, they weren't given a lot to go with. But for some reason, they made a decision in their life that this 
influence them for the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's, it's important to earn money, of course. You know, we need to pay bills and all of that. But I think it's a place of influence. You can, have a, you can make a difference where you are. We shared this story about Chalash, and it's just one of my stories that I can share. But just a few conversations we had at lunch over Jesus um, made a difference for him to tune in to, to the services on Instagram Live and, and give his life to Jesus in Australia. I mean, how, it doesn't get any more random. But I think it's so, it's so, so, so amazing that Potiphar's house was blessed because the Lord was with Joseph, even though he was a slave. And so the power that is in you is bigger than anything else that is outside of us. You know, Joseph was a slave, but God was still living inside of us. You know, you can take everything away from us, but we will still have this power inside of us, and no one can take it away. I remember Jay preaching a sermon, and he, you know, he likes to shout and, you know, get really uh, into it. But I remember saying, you can take everything away, even my speech, and you will find me tomorrow with a bag of food, handing out, handing out food parcels to the people on the street. And I believed him right there and then, because he would definitely do it. And I think it's amazing to think that the, the stuff that is inside of us is the most important and most precious thing that we have. Yeah. People can take everything else away from us. Fame, fortune, house, whatever, careers. But what they can't take away is the power that lives within us. Yeah. And I think it's something that we should guard and we should look after. And so here comes the second test, verse 6. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge and because of him he had no concern about anything But the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That's nice. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. So I want to talk to you about what do you do when temptation comes into your life? Because what I've witnessed again and again is that talent or, or gifting gets people somewhere, but character will will keep people there and you have many people they're very gifted very talented but their character hasn't matched up their their talents and gifts and so what you can see is that they're they're like a shooting star you know they rise up and they're amazing and wow amazing what they do and then they're gone again because they're fallen in in some sort of temptation or other stuff and usually it's money sex or power <laughs> it's one of those three and i can't imagine the amount of times even within you know, the circles of pastors that I've received emails of people not being in the ministry anymore because of one of those three areas. And I think it's such a, such a huge area. And it's been talked about not enough, I think. Um, and so we shouldn't allow our dream to get, you, to get us to places where our character can't keep us. And that's why spiritual parenthood, as I said earlier, is so important. That's why spiritual fathers and mothers are so important, that you check on people, that we have accountability to other people that are checking on us. I was talking to someone from America. In America, every pastor has a counselor, a personal counselor as a pastor, but also a counselor for his, for his, for his family. And I heard that and I thought, wow, what's, what's wrong with you guys? You know, are you like going from one sin to the next? Or why, you know, why do you need a counselor for, for yourself and for your family? And they said, no, 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 Dom, you don't get it. We do it so we stay healthy. We don't want to fall. So we have voices in our lives that check up on us in, in the area of money, sex, and power normally. And I thought, wow, why, did, why don't we think like that? If I hear of someone of you going to counseling, I, I think something is wrong. And so Sarah and I, we've been having marriage counseling for almost two years now. 
And not because we are in a crisis. I love her more than ever. And she's getting more beautiful every year. It's true. What can I say? Um, but just to stay healthy. And I can't tell you. I mean, we've cried in that, in that place and we've laughed. And it was eye-opening in many areas just in terms of getting to know each other because we understand that the devil's first priority is to split this relationship up in our church. Because if he gets into that relationship, he has the rest. Because it's, it's just the way it is, guys. It, you, you have to pray and protect your leaders. You know, because if, 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 if the devil comes into that area, you know, it has a ripple effect on the entire church. Um, and so that's why it's so important to pray and, and fast for your leaders because, um, because the fight is real. And so we've been hugely benefited from that. And we, we, we loved it. You know, we have always enjoyed going there because we knew it's going to be difficult and awkward questions. And I'm like, oh, no, not again tonight. I could, you know, rather watch something on Netflix or something. But I never regretted going there because it just helped us to stay healthy. So, Joseph, this woman, she was full on, wasn't she? She wasn't flirting. She was straight to the point. Not, hello, no, how, how are you doing, Joe? You know, how was your day? No, he said, Joe, lie with me. Oh, okay, thanks. Um, and then in verse 8 he says, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me and my master, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in the house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He knew the price. <laughs> he knew what was on the line. And I think God has put something in your life and the enemy will try his best to take it away from you. He hates that we expand and dream dreams. He hates it. He hates it that we encourage young people to, to have visions and dreams for their life. He hates it. He hates it when marriages flourish and when, when new families were, are created. He, he doesn't like it and he tries to fight it all the time. And I think it's so, so, so crucial that we learn to pass the test of temptation in order to see our dream fulfilled in our lives. Because the enemy has hundreds of ways of trying to tempt us, not just one. And, you know, he, he, maybe he's trying one, and if that doesn't work, he tries something else. He's so creative. He's so, he, he, he knows exactly where, where to get us sometimes. And so, I'm a fisherman at heart. Maybe you didn't know that. I love to fish. And whatever, like, if you go fishing, we go again in, in May to Norway, a week of fishing, it's amazing. But it depends what fish we are catching, we change the bait. So if we go for a mackerel, it's a different bait than when we go for a cod. Or if we go for a, is it herring or something? Herring? Herring. That's a great word, isn't it? Herring. It's, it's again a different, it's a different bait. And I think sometimes the enemy tries the same. So he tries a bait and he, he weighs it in front of you. Come on, come on, just a bite. Just, just you and me, Joe. Nobody will see that. You know, let's just, in this room. And, and the woman is talking to, to Joseph. I just call him Joe. It's, it's, it's a short version of, of his name. Just you and me, Joe. Nobody will see. Just, just have a bite. And, he's, and, and then he tries something else. And the next day, and she, she keeps pursuing him. And so my word to you tonight, one of the words is don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. And I think it's, it is something that you can say to yourself once a day. 
don't take the bait because it's always there dangling around us trying to, to get us distracted from what God has put inside of us. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's a life verse for me that faith is not something that we see. It's something that it's inside of us. And so we close our eyes and we start hearing of what God is saying to us. And so this, this wife of Potiphar, she doesn't back off. She tries again and again. And, and there's this scene where he touches his cloak and he says, wow, she's really getting you know, quite forceful here. And she runs away. And there's something torn off his cloak. And then he's thrown into prison for 13 years for a crime that he didn't commit. And I think Joseph had to really face that rejection and temptation. But he, he was successful in it. He, he was so focused on what God has put inside of him. And he feared his master and his calling so much that he didn't fall and he didn't take the bait. But he stayed pure and run away and suffered for that greatly. 13 years. 13 years is a long time, I think. And he stayed in prison. And he was rejected and he was tempted. And I think in the same way, Jesus as well was rejected and tempted. Jesus also had a dream. His dream was to save us and to give us eternal life. That was his dream. He was his mission. And he was born in a manger. We're going to celebrate it in a few weeks. And he was on a mission. He had a, he had a focus. He had a, he had a vision. And he was tempted And he was rejected. At one point he was tempted so badly. He was in the desert for 40 days. No food. And the devil was tempting him. Putting bait in front of him. And saying, come on. Just say one word. And you know, this all will be yours. And, and it didn't work. And he tried a different bait. And, and it didn't work again. And do you know what he did? And I think one of the lessons we can learn from that. He gave back what was inside of him. And that was the word of God. He was, he was quoting scripture to the devil. He was quoting scripture. And I think it's so important that we know the word. <laughs> that we know what it says in here. And I'm, we are fighting in Cologne, but also here for a generation that don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know any words. But I think in situations where temptation comes your way, it's what is inside of you that will keep you from taking the bait. And so let's get the word inside of us. Let's learn it off by heart that we know verses that says, you know, who, the, the one that is in me is, is stronger than, than the... Is that the word? Oh. Yeah. Yes, there you go. I'm translating from German back into English now, but... I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. What a verse. In times where it's getting really difficult. I can do all things of, uh, through Christ that strengthens me. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man, a young person stay on the path of purity... By living according to the word. So I think if we want to fight supernatural fights, we need to have supernatural weapons. And one of them is the word of God. It's living and active. And it's, it's so, so powerful. Um, and it's been a lifesaver for me in many, many occasions. Um, Jesus had a dream. He was rejected. And he was tempted. But he stayed faithful to his call. And because of that, we sit here today, continuing what he started. And it, I just had it on my heart tonight, that when we talk about dreams, and we're going to pray tonight for maybe fresh dreams to come into your life, because I think God loves to give us dreams. I think God loves to resurrect and restore and heal dreams maybe that we've forgotten or put on a shelf or maybe rejected ourselves, and he wants them to bring them back to life. And we just want to really create a moment for that, 
Because we really believe that God is someone that wants us to dream. Romans 8.28, we know that all things Uh, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So Joseph had a dream, and many, many, many years later, when he was released from prison, he found himself in a moment where his brothers came and knelt down, and all those years came down to that moment, and he realized, wow, I was faithful when it came to rejection and temptation, and now God can use me way beyond just for his family, but actually for an entire nation, the nation of Israel, because it was a huge famine. And because Joseph was wise and stewarded well the stuff, there was enough food for an entire nation. So it was much broader than just his own family. I give you one last question for tonight, and we can uh, maybe have some, some worship or something, but we just want to create some space tonight for that. Um, are you there today because God says go, go there, Or because you decided to go there yourself. Okay, maybe that's not the greatest English, but I'm going to read it out again. Are you there today because God says go there or because you decided to go there yourself? And I think sometimes in life we go to places that we decide to go to. And I want to encourage us to be in a place that we go to places because God says go there. And not because we say it. And so when it comes to the dreams that maybe God is wanting to release tonight... We want God dreams, culture-defying, God-honoring, whatever it else was, seemingly impossible dreams that God has given us. And I think out of that comes a testimony that the world will see that Jesus is still alive. I'll tell you one last story of my friend Babu. Great name, Babu. He is an Indian that studied with me at college. And he was a man that taught me a lot of things. One of the things he taught me was to pray. His knees were, I mean, he was, he was quite dark, but his knees were black because he prayed every morning for three hours on his knees. And I would come up to him and knock on his door and we would pray together in the morning. And it was incredible. I've never seen anyone pray like that before in my life. And so Babu had this dream of going back to his village in India, in a village that's called Metupati. What a great name. And his dream was to, to, to dig, duck, a well for water because the whole village doesn't have any water and so when I was traveling to India we went to his village we were the first white people in that village for 50 years we were stepping out of the car everything stopped it felt a bit like being in a zoo you know <laughs> they were touching our faces and our arms and hands whether, you know, and it was an unbelievable experience and we went to that place where Babu was starting to pray for this dream um, to have a well with water coming out. And so we raised money to, to, to pay for the machines to do that because the, the village was really sick with uh, sicknesses that came from uh, unhygienic usage of water because there wasn't a toilet or a shower that people can properly use. Um, and so they were starting to dig this well and we were there when the machines were working And many, many people have done it before. And they laughed about him. They knew he was a Christian. They rejected him. They pointed the finger at him. They were threatening him even, you know, to, to harm him and to hurt him because he was so foolish to, to, to believe that there would be water. And he started digging. And 10 meters or 20 meters, 30 meters, no water. 50 meters, 60 meters, 70 meters, no water. 
And then the thing was coming to an end, you know, this, uh, this the pipe that you're going to drill dig, uh, deeper and deeper. And people said, ah, see, I told you, no water. We've been trying it for years and there's no water. You know, what, what, who are you to think that, you know, you can, you can dig more and there, there will be water. But he had such a convincing faith in his, you know, he was so convinced that God spoke to him. God gave him the dream of having the first toilet and shower in his village that he said, I don't care. We get, we're going to get another pipe and a bigger machine and we're going to dig deeper. And they said, are you crazy? You know, we've been living here for, for 200 years and you know, no one has ever done that before. And, and so they arrived with this machine. They were digging 80 meters, 90 meters, 100 meters, no water. 110 meters, you could see a little puddle. And then 120 meters. I mean, how deep do you want to dig? 120 meters water. And it was the best water the region has ever seen. And the, the amazing thing was, there was a huge rock underneath the entire village. Like a, a, an underneath rock, I don't know. It was a huge rock. And nobody has ever been able to dig through the rock. All the people that I've tried in the village, and there were like 10 or 15 other holes, they were all just halfway through, through the rock. And nobody had ever had the faith or, or, or just intention to, to go all the way through. And so he went all the way through and we built a beautiful toilet there. I mean, how beautiful can a toilet be? But it, it was beautiful <laughs> at the time. And you could flush it and, the, and they had a key and the whole village was lining up to use the toilet and the kids and it was amazing and they had a shower and we were celebrating. I mean, <laughs> I never thought I would ever celebrate opening a toilet, but <laughs> it was incredible. And the sickness rate went down People were less infected. Um, they would be able to go to school more because they weren't in hospitals. And I know it's a small thing, but for that village and the people that lived there, it made a huge difference. Why? Because Babu had a dream and he didn't stop digging. And I want to say to you tonight, don't stop. Don't stop digging because often the breakthrough comes the moment we decide to continue to dig and not to stop. And I think that's so true for our dreams as well. So when we're going to come now and Maybe the band's going to lead us in a song. Uh, and we're going to just offer um, some prayer because I think that maybe God wants to release some dreams tonight. And it could be anything. It could be, it could be so creative, like you could never even thought that this is possible. I was speaking to someone today about, um, he was saying that for years he had the dream of op opening his own business, but he's never dared to do it. One moment like this could change the direction of your life if you feel that God is speaking to you in that area and I believe that God has got some business maybe in here <laughs> or some new steps of faith that you maybe take maybe some uh, a new way that your business is going to go or your work career or maybe a dream that you've always dreamt about of going to a, a nation or doing something in, in this country or whatever it is I think we should never allow rejection and temptation to limit our dreaming so let's be dreamers guys let's dream big Let's be people that expect that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Because it's a promise in the Bible. And so sometimes I think we settle for less. But if we continue to dig, there's more. And I think God is here tonight. And he has put this thing on our hearts to share with you. Because I think there's some dreams that want to be released in this place tonight. And before we go on and enjoy the rest of the evening, why don't we take a moment just to reflect And just ask God maybe to speak to us afresh about something that he wants to put in our hearts. It can start with a seed, with a thought, with an idea, maybe a solution, 
Maybe something that you, maybe you've been praying about for a long time. Maybe it's a song, it's a psalm, it's a, it's a poem, it's, I don't know. It's a recipe for a life-changing cake, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, I think we can be creative enough and open enough to allow God to speak to us and say, okay, God, I position myself to just receive something fresh from you. And so maybe we can do that tonight. Why don't we stand, change our posture a bit.